All right, well, we're continuing in a series called Coming Home, and actually today is the final installment of Coming Home, and uh, if you've missed any of that, you can go online, you can download our app as well and find those messages. Uh, there are three messages that we've done uh, previously, and I promise you, this series is one of those things that's going to unlock some stuff in you. And so go ahead and go back and, and listen to those, digest them, because I believe 100% that if we get hold of this truth, it's going to help us in the end. It's going to help us unlock some things that maybe have been locked down for a long time or some attitudes, some behaviors, some things that we just haven't seen that God is going to help us with. And so uh, in order to kind of create just uh, some synergy with the previous messages, we, we, we tend to have a, a series verse. And so I want to read that verse to you so you kind of have a sense of where we're going with this series. Uh, and so starting in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 18, I'll read this to you. This is our series verse. And I'll be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That, my friends, is good news. It really is. Because what it's saying is, is that in a world that so often we feel disconnected, we feel disconnected from a lot of things, the Bible very clearly tells us that regardless of where we've been or what we've done or anything like that, that God is trying to establish in us a relationship that is based on him being our father and us being his kids. And that's good news. It just is because you may not fully get it just yet, uh, but it's important you understand that at a point in history, there were some people by the name of Adam and Eve, and in that particular garden, they were created to be with God forever, living in perfect harmony and peace and in the joy of the Lord. But because of some decisions that they made, they were, they were banished from that particular garden. And the thing you have to understand is it was always God's will for us to live there with Him. But because of our disobedience, we were cast out. And, and the result of that is that we lost our father and we lost our home. And those two things have been messing us up ever since. And the enemy has been making sure that those things keep being revisited in our lives. Now, I don't have time to talk about all the things I've talked about over these last three weeks. But the thing that you really need to know is that God wants you to understand that he's your father. And that you have a decision to make. That you can choose to enter into that relationship with him. And, and, and by the very nature of that relationship, you are established as a son or daughter of God. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty good deal. That seems like an awesome thing. And so I just want to encourage you to listen up because I believe that God has something for you today. Whether you know that or whether you've wandered from it or whether you don't know it at all, the thing you need to understand today is that God absolutely, absolutely has adopted us into his family. Let me show you in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. That's good news. So that you live in fear again. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to think, I don't want to act like a slave. 
He goes on, he says, rather the spirit you receive brought about adoption. See that word? Adoption. Adoption as sons and daughters. So you've been adopted to sonship. You've been adopted to daughtership. And then very clearly, Paul writes, he says, and as a result of that, you can cry out to the God of the universe and cry out to him as Abba, Father. That's pretty significant that somehow the creator of the world wants to relate to you in that way. It's relational, isn't it? For God to even want us to see this It's to establish this relationship, to reconnect us with what is true about us. And that is that we were created in the image of God. We were created with a purpose. And that purpose was to be in relationship with God. And in that relationship, we find everything that we need in this life. Everything that we need to know about ourselves, all the power that we need to be able to implement what he has for us, it's all found in that relationship. And so I want to spend a little time talking about adoption today, spiritual adoption, because see, that's what Paul is referencing. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen these optical illusions you ever seen an optical illusion like like those those you you stare at them long enough? You know what I'm talking about? And you like stare at them, and if you just stare the whole like you just like I'm staring, that somehow in the staring you're gonna start to see what's really there. Now I don't know if you're like me, I struggle to see what's really there. Now some of you are like got it, which. I don't see it all the time, but I'll stare. And have you ever had this happen where you're staring and you start to kind of see it? And then your brain like kicks in and it goes away. You're like, oh, I had it. I had it. Oh, shoot. It's gone. You know, like you just stare and you stare and you're hoping to, to see that illusion, that, that thing that's embedded in this picture. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like I just, if I stare long enough, if I think hard enough, maybe I'll see it completely, right? Because sometimes we, we, we look at things and we don't see what's really there. I want to show you a logo of a, of a company This is FedEx. Perhaps you've used them or you've shipped something or received something in the mail. Um, But FedEx used to be called Federal Express. Like like back in the old days, the 80s. (laughs) Some of you are like, shut up. (laughs) They were called Federal Express and people started to refer to them as FedEx. Did you get your FedEx? Did you get FedEx? And so so the company, uh, particularly the founder, Fred, I was always calling Fred, that's his real name, Fred, the CEO of FedEx, uh, decided to go and enlist a marketing company to to begin to rebrand the company from Federal Express to FedEx. And, 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 And they hired these marketing people and they came in and they gave their big presentations to the board and 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 Fred is sitting there I'm sure at the head of the table because he's the CEO and they're presenting this stuff and and then uh, finally after they presented all of the logos and all of the ideas he sits there and he says you know I like the one with the arrow and people in the room were like what in the world is he talking about like what do you what arrow what are you doing? You know, and I don't know if you see it, but if you look between the E and the X, there's an arrow. See it? See it? E, X, and the arrow? Does everybody see it? Okay, if you don't see it, look harder. 
And tell your brain there's an arrow there, because it is. There's an arrow. Now, I just like, you will never see that picture again differently. Like every time you see FedEx, you'll see the arrow. And it's crazy. Like when you, when you would look at it, if you didn't see the arrow yet, you're, now you're like, oh, there's an arrow. I didn't even see it. And, and, and it's just so powerful when you actually see something for the first time, isn't it? It's just powerful to look at and say, oh, yeah, I see the arrow. And now you can tell all your friends, like you can play it as a party joke. Hey, everybody, did you see the arrow? But sometimes we see things, but we don't see them completely. Like, like we, we, we look at them and we, we notice them and, and we're even seeing them correctly, but we're seeing them incompletely. Get that. We're seeing it correctly, like it was real. You saw it. You saw the F and the E and the D and the, you know, you got it, right? It's, it's clear. But for some reason, we were seeing it incompletely. We weren't seeing the full picture. And it's true that, that sometimes in life we can we not see the full picture. So we look at the picture. Sometimes in relationships, we don't see the full of that relationship. It's incomplete. Sometimes we see things and we don't see it all the way. And the thing I want to say today is that I believe that there's an arrow missing in many of our lives. And that is the arrow of God as Father. That many of us are not relating to God in that way. And the Bible would say, hey, 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 you've got a lot of correct things. Your theology is pretty correct. You know what I mean? You're seeing God's this and God's that and God's this, but you're missing something. There's an incompleteness to your understanding of who God is because God is revealed to us as Father. And it's important we see that. Why does that matter? What's the big deal? Why is the pastor talking about this Father stuff so much? I mean, doesn't he know that... In our world, sometimes even that's offensive to people. I do. I know that many of you had bad fathers, and that was not your experience. I get it. And some of you had great ones, some of you didn't. But here's the point you have to see. Regardless of our experience, the Bible absolutely presents God to us as Father. And we have to deal with that. The Bible doesn't adjust for us. We adjust for it. And so it's important you understand that God was presented to us in this way. There is a correct picture of God, but sometimes our correct picture of God is incomplete. We don't see the arrow. We don't see what's really there. We have this incomplete picture of God, and we're unable to fully enter into that. We're unable to fully see it. I'll give you an example. Perhaps you're a parent and, or maybe a grandparent or you had some kids running around one day and you just said to them, you started singing a song to them. Perhaps you've sang this song, Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Right? How I wonder where the... Huh? Right? Twinkle, twinkle. Here's the problem with that song. It's like all wrong. Like it's not even a true song. Stars don't twinkle. Like stars stay the same. But it's the atmosphere. It's the atmosphere. It's the the, the dust in the air that causes it to look like they're twinkling. And yet, so you see it, right? You see it, but you're seeing it incompletely. You, You see it correctly. Like, look, they're twinkling. I told you they're twinkling. Look at them. But there's an incomplete picture. You're not fully getting it. 
You're not fully seeing it. And it's so important that we fully see it because if it's possible, if it's possible that somehow how I see God affects my relationship with God, that seems pretty significant to me. I may know a lot of things about God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm seeing him completely. And so I need to be able to enter into that. I need to be able to see it. I need to be able to see the arrow that I'm missing so that I can fully embrace this relationship with God. Because see, you can know a lot about God, but not truly know him and truly enter into this uh, experience with God as father. Because sometimes we know God, but we don't identify with his actions. We don't understand his identity and how his identity leads to certain actions. And it relates to us because if we don't understand God's identity and his actions through that identity, then what happens is we can't fully understand our own identity. We have an incomplete picture. And so God is trying to help us to see what's real. He's trying to help us see what's real. You know, religion says do, do stuff. If you do stuff, God will be, woo, good job. God will say good job because you do stuff. And sometimes we serve and we serve. And some of us have this as a tendency, you know, if I do good stuff, then God will love me. If I do this, then God will help me. If I do this, you know, it's like this exchange program you have with God. You know, you do all the right things and he's going to bless you. Here's the problem with that. There is some truth to that reality that God will bless you if you do things right but it starts somewhere first. There's always a starting point. And the starting point is the relationship. The starting, see, we do stuff for God because we know and have a relationship with God. We love him. And as a result of us loving him, we do these things. And anytime we get that messed up, we start to relate to God as somehow that if I do this, he'll love me. If I do this, then he'll say, hey, good job, I love you. But the problem with that, the problem with that type of religious relationship is it doesn't lead to intimacy with the Father. It's a relationship that's based on the doing, not on the relationship, not on you, me knowing him better, and as I know him better, it leads me into healthier, into a healthier life, into the peace and the joy that God wants me to experience. You know what I'm saying? And the thing, that, the thing that you have to see is I don't know about you, but my experience of life and the world is that I live in a pretty noisy world. Don't you? Don't you feel like there's just so much noise? So many people are talking, so many things. We always have the TV on, the radio on. And, and, and a lot of times in our life, we don't experience any silence. And so sometimes it's hard to even hear God because all we do is have noise in our lives. Noise everywhere, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, some of you can't even like focus with the TV without the TV on. You get what I'm getting at? And I actually think some of the, the behavioral things that we struggle with would be fixed if we would just get quiet with the Lord. And I've been, I've been, I've been doing some of this in my own personal walk with God. And, and uh, I have this book I recommend to you. It's called Invitation to Solitude and Silence. And some of you are like, I'm out. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I do. Um, but I'm not into that. And I get it. I mean, I understand. I don't like it. I don't like to go towards it. 
Because, I mean, I do. I like noise. I like to be in the middle of everything. I mean, I'm just, woo. But there's something about how important it is in our walk with God to get quiet, to get alone, so that I can hear Him. And sometimes I can't hear Him because I'm talking too much. Sometimes I can't hear Him because y'all are talking too much. Sometimes I can't hear Him because Fox News is talking too much. Sometimes I can't hear him because the paper is talking. Whatever it is, everything's just talking too much. And I can't hear him. And so I just recommend it to you. It's out there in the, it's out there in the lobby. It's for cost, so pick it up if you, if you want it. Uh, and, and, and I know this. It's not going to hurt my feelings. I know that this is not going to sell like hotcakes. It's just not. But there's somebody in this room today that probably wants to pick that book up. So pick it up. And if you want to do it, if you dare to do it, then go do it. You know, I think we sold one last, last, at our last service. See what I'm talking about? Because nobody wants to get silent. Nobody wants to have that solitude in their life. Because you know what happens when you do? You actually start to hear stuff. Like you actually have to deal with yourself. Uh, you actually have to deal with your own pain, your own brokenness, the stuff that sometimes you just put underneath. And I'll just say this, if there's anything off limits, God is interested. He's interested in what you've made off limits. Because it's there that he wants to heal us. It's there that he wants to expose the Father to us. The embrace of the Father, the love of the Father. It's there that those things start to get healed. Because if we don't see it, if we don't know it, it's hard to fix. And God wants to get us to a place where we can create some space and then we can hear him again. And some of you will take me up on it and some of you won't. And I get it. But I, I just encourage you to add some of that to your life and you'll find that you'll hear God a lot more. Because I know when I talk to people, everybody seems to want to hear from God. But nobody wants to do what they need to do in order to do it. That was for free, guys. Just Whatever. Some of you are like, wow, I just... Uh. But here, here, let me say this. There may be a, an arrow missing in your relationship with God. And it may be around this particular matter of God as Father. Let me read something to you out of Romans. Romans chapter 8, 15. We started with that. But I've added a few translations here to help you kind of see some things differently, all right? So I've kind of put it all together for you. But just listen to this. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, of religious duty, get that, to fall back into your fear, the fear of not being good enough and needing to earn approval and never measuring up. But you have received the spirit of adoption, of full acceptance as sons and daughters, look at this, enfolding you into the family of God so that you should never feel orphaned. By whom we cry, Abba, Father, my daddy. I don't know about you, but sometimes it seems that it's hard for people to relate to God as daddy. And there's a variety of reasons why. But I just want you to see today, if we don't embrace this, if we don't see this, we miss this whole adoption stuff. We miss sonship. 
we miss being a daughter. We miss the intimacy that we can have with the Father. And I don't want you to miss it. See, in Romans 8, Paul is writing to a church in Rome. And it's about 25 years after, after Jesus' death. Okay? And I don't know, but it seems like in, when, when 25 years pass, sometimes things slip, don't they? Like vision can slip, culture can slip. You know, these things get tired, and then we forget talking about things. And, and what, 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 what Paul is trying to get us to see, and he's trying to get the church at Rome to see, is that something has slipped in their life. And, and what's slipped is they've started to relate to God in this kind of religious way. They've started to enter into their relationship with God in a religious way that somehow God is just this heavenly God that they enter into this relationship with or actually this religious kind of behavior. And the thing that you have to see that Paul is trying to help them to get back to, the thing that's drifted, is that they have forgotten that they are to relate to God in a relationship with a heavenly father, not a religion with a heavenly God. Does that make sense? And it's one of those things that sometimes it just it's simple. It's like it just slipped a little bit. And I think Paul is trying to get them to see that you can't let this slip. This is what Jesus was all about. This is why he identified as the son. Because as the son, that means implication that he has a father. And that father is wanting to be in relationship with you and me. And it's so good that we see this because Paul is trying to get them to understand that you can't go back. You can't go back to looking at God this way. You have to see him for who he is. You have to see him for what he has revealed to us through Jesus. Now, the Jewish community at that time did not uh, even practice adoption. But in Rome, they did. Like in the Roman society, they practiced adoption. But it's really kind of interesting. It's different than the adoption that we have today. Like the kind of adoption we understand and experience. Because in Rome, if you were a biological son... It didn't mean that you were a permanent son. It didn't mean that you were a permanent fixture in the family. Isn't that interesting? That just because you were biological didn't mean you were getting daddy's stuff. Because see, in Roman world, if the biological wasn't measuring up, the law said that they could look for someone else. Because inheritance was more important than biology. And so the inheritance was to go to the one that the father thought would be the best person for the job. Can you imagine? (laughs) Imagine being the biological son. That's rough. But I want you to see something here because see, Paul is mentioning it for us to see. He's mentioning adoption to the Romans for a reason. He's trying to get them to understand something through something they understand. And what they understood was adoption. They understood how that worked in their society. And so this is how it worked. Basically, the the father would look around. (laughs) They would look for for the right person. And usually it was about at 20 or 30, somewhere in that range, that young adult range, that, that the person, a person would get picked. They would get picked to be that. Can you imagine? And so he would... He would look and he would watch and he would, you know, and they even had people that were like brokers. You're like, hey, you want me to find you a good son? I'll help you. (laughs) 
And, and so the, he would constantly be looking for the person that he could entrust everything to. Isn't that fascinating? That he's constantly looking, constantly looking. Because see, in the, the biological relationships weren't permanent. But the one that was picked, the one that was adopted in the Roman society was permanent. Get this. So biological didn't make you permanent. But if you were picked by the father, if you were in, you, you received the inheritance simply by the fact that the father of the house picked you. Get this. And now I'm not asking you to agree or disagree with what the Romans were doing. Because there are a lot of things the Romans were doing that we wouldn't agree with. What I'm trying to get you to see is what Paul is saying to the Roman church. He's trying to get them to understand that, that you get this. You understand this. You understand what adoption is. You understand that it's not biological. You understand that it's picked. You understand that. You see where he's going with this? He's, he's trying to get you to see something. He's trying to get you to see that God is like this. He's using a broken system to somehow communicate who the father is. He's saying, look, look, you've got to see it. This is exactly what the father did for you. This is exactly what the father did for you. He sent his son to restore that relationship so that you could enter into a father relationship with God. Do you not know that you've been adopted into God's family? Do you not know that you're a son or a daughter of God? Do you not know as a result of that, that even you can't even be pulled out of that deal? That it's a permanent deal. That there's nothing you can do to get out of that. So he's trying to help you see how important it is that you understand what it means to be adopted. See, this father wasn't like going to the mall. He wasn't looking in the mall and looking at window shopping and saying, oh, I kind of like that one. Oh, that one's a little too skinny. I, I like a little meatier, son. Yeah, like he's not. No, it's like it's a sense of like adoption was like a treasure hunt in the Roman world. They were looking for the right one. And they're you know what I'm talking about? Like they're looking for the right one. And that's the image that, that Paul's trying to help us to see. And I think when we hear the word adoption, we hear it from our language. We hear it from our experience of it. But we have to understand that it's deeper than that. That, that, that it's something different. That the father has been on a treasure hunt. And you're the treasure. That you, you may not even know that today. That you're the treasure. That God wants you to see this so clearly. He wants you to see the arrow that's missing. He wants you to see that there's a relationship you can have with the Father that is a game changer for your life. And so I want to talk to you a little bit more about spiritual adoption. Because this is the implication of spiritual adoption. And so if you're here today and you have said yes to Christ as your Savior and Lord, then that means you have been adopted into God's family. That's what it means. If you're here today and you haven't, I just want to say to you, you can. You can take that step. That's all you have to do is take a step towards him. Tell him you want it and he'll come right in. That's what he does. 
But you have to understand spiritual adoption because it's so important for us to see clearly again. Because some of us are seeing cloudy. We're not seeing what's real. We're only seeing what's in front of us. We're not seeing the arrow that we can't see. And so spiritual adoption means this. Number one is you are freely chosen and fully desired. You are freely chosen and fully desired. Now, I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you've experienced that. Perhaps you've wondered if that was true. Perhaps you haven't entered into that and had that. Maybe you've never had the love of God pour over you in such a way that you've experienced it at a very deep level to know that you are chosen and fully desired. But listen to this in Ephesians 1.5. God decided in advance, in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself how through your own effort no through jesus christ this is what he wanted to do it was not by accident he didn't wake up one day had some bad pizza and thought he would save you humanity humanity i said it right he desired it it was purposeful is what the Bible says. And matter of fact, it wasn't just purposeful. It gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure to choose you and to fully desire you. Isn't it cool to think that God, out of everything, picked you? He picked you. The God of the universe picked you. I think that's, I think that's pretty important. To know that I have been picked. Just like that Roman father would pick the person to receive his inheritance. God picked you, is what the Bible says. And if you don't know you're picked today, well then I hope you do now. Because God loves you. The Father loves you and wants a relationship with you. Come on. I remember <laughs> some of us have bad memories of being picked or not being picked. Right? You go then go back to school. That's country school. <laughs> we go back to school. Come on. I never had that problem because I always got picked, but <laughs> But sometimes there's pain around that. You know? And that and I just want you to know God picks you. He chose you. He fully desires to be in relationship with you. Amen. And so spiritual adoption means that I'm freely chosen and desired. How about number two? Here it is. You are completely forgiven. You are completely forgiven. Everything you've ever done is completely forgiven is what God says. And, 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 and so this Roman father would pick this, this, this man and say, hey, you're the one. And as a result of him picking him, all of the obligations that he had were canceled. Any debts he had, any criminal record that he had, come on. All of it was canceled simply because the father picked him. That's powerful. And it's true in our life too. That because of Jesus, because he picked me, that as a result of that, I can be forgiven completely listen to this in second corinthians 5 17 this means that anyone who belongs to christ has become a new person 
The old is gone and the new has begun. So very clearly the Bible is saying that if you've entered into that relationship because God chose you, because God picked you, that as a result of that you have been forgiven everything. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whether or not you're laying in it now or not, it's forgiven. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what Christ has done for you. When I get to heaven, God will ask me, hey, why should I let you in? I said, I'm just presuming on the blood of Jesus. That's all I got. Because all my works are filthy rags. Because the only righteousness I have comes from Jesus. That's it. And I may have lived a good life. But at the end of the day, that's all I got. All I've got is Jesus. All I've got is the adoption that comes from the Father who picked me and forgave me. Same for you if you want it. The number three, number three, is that you are permanently and unconditionally loved. You are permanently and unconditionally loved. Remember what I said about the adoption process in Rome? Once you were in, you were in. There was no undo button. Get that. No undo. He couldn't even get out. Like the father couldn't undo it. That's why he took it so seriously. Get that. He's like, I better pick the right one because I can't undo this. The same God, he's not undoing anything because he said, I want you. I love you. Listen to this. It's so good you see this, is that Jesus knew the love of the Father, and he wants us to experience that same love in our life. Listen, in Romans 17, 26. I'm sorry, John 17, 26. I have revealed you to them. Jesus is speaking. He's saying, I've revealed the Father to my disciples, and I will continue to do so. So I'm committed to this, God. And then he says, then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. What's he saying? Is that the love that I know, the love that I've experienced through a relationship with the Father as the Son in this cosmic divine relationship, that same love that Jesus experienced is the same love that he wants us to experience as human beings right now on this earth. Like he wants you to experience that. He wants you to have that in your life. And some of us relate to God as a tyrant, as a master, as something, but we're not relating him as a father. And that's where fear comes from. That's where we get afraid. That's where we hide. Isn't that what Adam and Eve did? When they screwed up, they put leaves on and they hid because they were ashamed. We hide from a God that we don't know as father. God wants to help us. He wants to heal us. He wants to make us better. And somehow in the middle of all that, he's like, hey, I pick you. I forgive you, and hey, by the way, this is unconditional. This is permanent. How do you get any better than that? That's what he's saying to us. That's what we've got to see. That's what we've got to take hold of if we're ever going to understand who God really is. Because that's the kind of God that I serve. That's the kind of God you serve. That's the kind of God that wants to be revealed to the world through his people. Now, I'm not much of a science guy, all right? I'm just not. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't fully understand all the science stuff. But I try. You know, I try. 
So years ago, uh, scientists wanted to see space, right? They, they wanted to see space. So they created things like a telescope. And that's important. You need a telescope to be able to see space. But they came up with this other idea. They said, if we can see space from Earth with a telescope, imagine if we put that telescope in space. That's brilliant. If we put the telescope in space, we'll be able to see something even better. So the Hubble telescope was designed. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Hubble telescope, but it was kind of a big deal. They spent billions of dollars on the Hubble telescope, and they put them on a rocket, and they shot that thing into space. And now that thing was out in space, and they were, they were so excited to see what the Hubble telescope was going to send back. They, they were just so excited. I, and I'd be excited, too, if I'd spent billions of dollars. I'm just hoping it works. Yeah. Well, the, the, the Hubble telescope started sending back images and this is the image that sent back. That is not the image they were looking for. Do you see that? That doesn't look like a big cotton ball. No detail. Just blurry, isn't it? Now, I don't know about you. If I spent a billion dollars and this is the picture I'm getting, I get a better picture on my iPhone. <laughs> so that was the picture they got. And they were frustrated by that. They were like, wait a second, what is wrong? We spent all this money, we shot this thing into orbit, spent billions of dollars, and this is the picture we get? I can get a better picture of this universe down here on Earth. And so they, they figured out that they had a lens problem, that the lens was not working properly. They had an issue. And so what'd they do? They spent more millions of dollars, more millions of your taxpayer money to fix this problem. Because, I mean, once you're in for a billion, you got to keep going. I mean, what's a million, right? <laughs> so they're like, we've, we've got to fix this thing. So this is what they came up with. They said, okay, the lens is a problem. It's a, it's a problem. Uh, probably one of the scientists was at the optometrist that day, and they put in the contact, right? And they're like, oh, I got it. I got it. I know what we do. We create a lens to go on the lens. And then if we do that, it's going to fix it. Right? So they create a lens and they shoot an astronaut into space and he goes floating through the sky and he sticks a contact right on that lens. Now, this is less scientific, right? I mean, the way I'm telling this story. So he sticks a contact right on that lens and this is the picture they get back. Now, there's lots of great pictures of, of what the Hubble telescope has sent back. I mean, really, some... Uh, amazing pictures of space. But that did improve it, didn't it? And the thing that I hope that you see today is that the lens that we see God matters. How, how we see God matters. Some of us have a blurry picture. Some of us have an incomplete picture. Some of us aren't seeing the arrow. God wants to stick that contact on us so that we can begin to see God in vivid techno color so that we can see God as Father. Because see, we can see everything correctly. Like I saw it correctly, but it was incomplete. And I have to be able to see God completely. And the way that I see Him completely is I understand that He's Father. 
And through that lens, I truly begin to understand who God really is. Because if you only see God as judge, though he is, if you only see God as the one that keeps justice, though he will, if you only see him in those ways, you're going to have an experience of God that's different than the Bible. Because a complete picture of God is that he is those things. But he first reveals himself to us as father because he wants us to experience the love of God. And it's through that love that we become and we do everything that sons and daughters of God do. That's what it is. That's the good news. And so God has revealed to us his father. And I want my friends, I want that in my life. I want that in your life. I don't want to be afraid of God. I don't want to, I've told these stories before. I don't, I don't want to live in such a way that like the day before I'm to do something big, you know, I think about like, man, I, I just can't sin. Because if I sin, I know I'm going to screw it up next. You know, God's coming after me. You ever had that feeling? Like I used to I used to tell a story of when I was a kicker. I know, surprising to you. I, you probably thought I played linebacker. Why are you all laughing? <laughs> but I remember the night before I'd kick field goals, Friday night, you know, on Thursday night I'd make sure I didn't sin. Like I worked really hard not to sin because I didn't want to miss the field goal. Because so I thought somehow God was going to come after me. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. You know, and sometimes we see God all these ways that are not right. And so I'm working on it. I'm working on trying to experience the father so that I don't feel that way. So because my feelings don't tell me what's right. Right. Feelings are just indicators. They're not always what's real. What's real is that God's the father. And so I don't know what lens you're seeing God through. But ask yourself, over the next few days, just ask yourself, how do I see God? What's the lens I'm looking through? Do you look at it as a slave? With a slave mentality? As an orphan? Or do you see God for who he really is? Because if you look at him through that lens, everything is conditional. Or do you see God as a son? Or a daughter of God? And see, when you see God that way, you see him as father. You see him as a, an unconditional loving father that's never going anywhere. It's permanent. I like that. And so you may be asking, we've done four weeks of this. Some of you just got in on the one. But you may be asking the same question that everybody else is asking. What do I do with this? And all I can say is really just two words. Receive it. That's it. You... You can't do anything to deserve it. I can't pull it out of you. I can't cast it out of you. All you have to do is just simply say, I receive it, God. I receive it. And so that's my prayer for you. That's my heart for our church, for anybody here that's hearing my voice, that you would receive God as your father and know that you are a son, daughter of the most high God. And nothing, nothing can take that away from you if you want it. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for each person in this room. I know that everybody in here is coming from a different place, but I do know that you know that place. And I know that there are some that have walked away, they've wandered, they didn't know if they could come back home. And, and I just want to say to you, if you're here and that's you, just say, God, I need you. 
I ask for your forgiveness. I repent. I'm coming home. I'm not going to lay in this anymore. I'm not going to continue to run. I'm turning and I'm coming back and I need you. Would you reveal yourself to me as father as I run back into your arms as a son or daughter fully embraced? You know, the Bible says that we've all wandered and that we all are in need of a physician. But I also want to suggest to you today that we're all in need of a father. We're in need of a heavenly father that cares enough to send his son. And the Bible says that he did that. And so you may be here today and you don't know that personally. You haven't entered into that. That hasn't been your experience. And so I just want to encourage you today to take that step. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that it's true, that God will come in and you'll become a son or daughter of your heavenly father. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that message. I'm not going to point you out or anything. I just want to pray for you. And so right now, on the count of three, if you just wouldn't mind maybe lifting your hand up so I can see it, so I can pray for you today. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And so let's take care of that today. On the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead. Just lift it up. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Good. Good. Anybody else? Good. God bless you. I see you. See your hands. Good job. You can put your hands down. Church, lots of people. Good stuff happening. And so we're all going to pray together. Nobody's praying alone in here. We're all going to pray the same prayer together. Just repeat after me. Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Restore me to my home, to my father, to my inheritance. Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? Hey, so good. Well, hey. I'm